0: As we've sung about a little bit, and then Aaron prayed, you know, that is the reason we worship, I suppose, too. But the way we get into the Bible is to know God better. This is the way God has decided to reveal himself. Um, and we, you can uh, bemoan that, uh, uh, or you can just assume he knows what he's doing. Uh, we try to do the second one and just try to understand better. And remember, Mark is, is bringing us through... Uh, th- jesus' life it 's really not a biography the gospels really aren't uh they 're just kind of hitting the high points of what uh the spirit wants us to know to follow him well and know him well um, but Mark does have kind of that theme is we 're kind of taken along with the disciples as they figure out who he is um, and this is very early obviously we 're in only verse twenty one of the of the first chapter um, we just came off where he- cl- he called his first four disciples um and I think when we we look at these four disciples, uh, they're obviously quite important uh, in a lot of ways. That's maybe why he mentions them first. But they're one of the things I've always been—well, I probably shouldn't say annoyed. That's too strong. But uh, troubled by is that the timing of the gospels are really hard. Uh, We don't really know. um, I mean, I realize he's born before he dies and all that. We got that timing down. But as far as where, even the location's tough sometimes. So it's nice when we get a town, which we get here, uh, because Capernaum was most likely where Peter and Andrew and James and John were from. So that's where we pick up here. Um, They've just left their boats to follow him, and then they went into Capernaum. That's verse 21, if you want to follow along. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that the question among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. So it doesn't take long for this to start getting out. Um, I would suppose that would happen today, right, if somebody came along and was uh, healing everybody left and right. You know, it'd probably get on the news and Facebook and all the other snap things and twit things and all those other things we have. The uh, little different here, but it does spread. Uh, they're in the synagogue. He's teaching. That's the really the first thing we're looking at. That's why we talked about that with the children. That's where they're seeing him. Teacher, or sometimes you'll see this translated rabbi. That's the, the, the Aramaic word for it. Um, but with authority. We're seeing some authority here. And then we get this unclean spirit, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit more. It doesn't really mean that he just needs a bath. Um, unclean and clean in the Old Testament was what's acceptable to God and what's not acceptable to God. Um, sometimes we, they're morally impure. Sometimes they're called demons. Sometimes they're called fallen angels. Um, you get a few other names for them. Um but interestingly enough, uh, and this happens in all of the Gospels, but uh, in this one it's who is the first one to kind of recognize who Jesus is? It's the demon, <laughs> which is kind of odd, you know. Um, I'm, I don't think we want that here. who can say, well, Grace Church, a demon says, oh, they're following Jesus. It's like, does that really want, to, want your press from? Um, but that's, he acknowledges Jesus' identity, and character here a little bit. They know something. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into this. This is kind of theological in a lot of ways, but what the demon knows and what the uh, demon doesn't know is a little hard to understand. Um, uh, we only get pieces of that uh, kind of what we call unseen realm. Uh, but I. But there is some ignorance here. Um, what do you have to do with us? They don't know. Um would you would you think maybe, and if you want to get into that sometimes figuring out, do you think the demon's scared? I think maybe he well, maybe it's a she, I don't know. Uh, th- this demon seems to be a little worried. Uh, We find this in other places. Um, So it does show some level of ignorance. You know, we have to be so careful. There's a a dualistic idea out there that there's, you know, there's God who is good, and then there's Satan or a demon that is bad, and they're equal in power. And and that's never a biblical view. Um, You know, we'll even look at this. You know, did Jesus have to, you know, grunt or whatever it is you have to do to get demons out? Did he have to say some sort of special incantation? Did he throw any special water on the guy? Um, Did he have to fill out an application? You know, I mean, what did he? It's just like, you know, we got somebody going in the Navy. So when they say jump, what do you say? How high? Sir, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what happens here. It's not like the demon says, well, I don't know who you are. It's like, I already know who you are. Just don't hurt me. It's kind of what is going on here. Um, and this is part of what Jesus came to do. And we see this in, in John's first letter in chapter 3. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Uh, now, I want to hit that quick. That, that's a practice. Um, that means you do that. That's what you're, that's who you are. That's who you're characterized by. Um, For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Well, remember back in the garden, did God really say you know, he messed everything up? Well, actually, Adam and Eve did, but, um, and so do we. Uh, but this is one of the reasons he came, and how do you destroy the works of the devil? Well, the devil's main evil forces, evil people are trying to essentially, they're deep down, at least the way God tells us, is to sever that connection between God and us. And Jesus is coming to bring him back that's what reconciling reconciling everybody back to himself. So when you look at this if it was if if the kingdom he's trying, you know, the kingdom is at hand. We had that a couple of weeks ago. That's what he come comes to repent and believe the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, a primarily political kingdom by Christ and Satan may be able to exist together. You know, um <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it. We see that in Washington, right? (laughs) Just kidding. Really, it's it's the idea. But if it's just political, if it's just we're just going to overthrow the Romans, the the morality and how it's, you know, you can kind of just throw that out. But Jesus shows that the kingdom of God at hand will not coexist with evil. And really, if you think about it right now, um, this is a kind of a kind of a trick question, but uh, I'll ask you. And you know, it's fairly rhetorical. But you know, we're not like Baptists where we just yell stuff out, which is really kind of fun, actually. Uh, uh, when I, I, lo- I, I know I've only got to do that a couple times uh, I mean, um, in bab- uh, Baptist churches. That, that a lot of these are Black Baptists. I did th- I preached in a couple of Black Baptist churches in Austin, and by golly, you know they're listening. Amen. Preach it, brother. You know, and I'm not saying you have to do that. You know, you know, we you can worship any way you want. Uh, but w- when, you, when you think about, when you, you ask these questions, you know, you're welcome to, to say out loud whether you uh, agree with, with this or if you think this, this makes sense. But would it be okay with you if God destroyed all the evil in the world right now? And that's, it's a trick question. To somebody, what do you mean by that? Amen? It's, it's like, that's a good Baptist response. But we like Baptists. We're pretty almost Baptists, you know. We're we're working on it, uh, but uh, <laughs> or maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> Very similar. Um, it, it's yes, and that is. But uh, th- then, of course, then we step back and say, "Well, what is there any evil in me?" You know, if we say that, well, oh, okay, now that was a trick question. It's like you know, zap, we're all gone. Why the reason that God allows evil? We get this in First Peter, is because He's. It, there's a morally sufficient reason he's waiting. We've talked about this before. I've heard people say in the Old Testament, God's so mean. It's like, oh, you haven't read it then. Because you would never say that if you read it. I mean, read through the Old Testament, even this the, 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 the going in and, you know, Joshua and Judges and all that, and see how long you would have waited to wipe out these evil people. I mean, we, we, you could put in your group now, I don't, whatever group you want, uh, go over, you can come in, in America, you can go, people who are truly evil, that are doing evil things to people. You know, I guess the best one I can think of now is the, the, the child prostitution ring that you see goes into Mexico and goes, okay, now you have the choice. you going to wipe that out now or you're going to wait? What are you going to do? Now. God waits. He's so patient. He's got a reason to do it, bigger than we know. And I think we have to remember that. It's, it's going to happen. We had a 23-week series on heaven. We know it's going to get eradicated, but the, you almost should think of yourself, there's some grace, he's waiting, and that's what First Peter says, waiting for people to come to the knowledge of the truth. I would probably not do it this way. Now, we can all vote, would you like the world to be completely controlled by me? All right, boy, he didn't take that as rhetorical. Everybody's like, no! <laughs> no, you you shouldn't, because I you know, we, I can't even hardly figure out my own life, let alone somebody else's. Um, and so I think that's, we have to remember that, that this, they're not going to coexist. Eventually it's going to get, when you see the word wrath, you see this in Romans and other places, that is God's subtle response to evil, and it's going to happen. But not yet kingdom of heaven is at hand is not completely common. we pray that you know we pray uh, the disciples prayer sometimes called the Lord's prayer you know, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven but what happens when he this powerful God says demon shut up and get out he shuts up and he gets out we don't, you don't hear anything else you know, be silent and come out of him. And it, there's a whole metaphysical thing. Where is it? You know, where is the demon at? Where do they hang out? It's a little hard, isn't it? So they're amazed. He gets famous really quick. You know, if he was an idol, he'd probably win all the time. So why did Jesus drive out unclean spirits? You know, what, what is he trying to do? I mean, I think it's to show his authority. It clearly shows that. And a sign of his identity, and we'll look at that a little bit more, and I think maybe just compassion. You think this person was better off with this unclean spirit gone? Who knows? We get deeper accounts of this. Now, today we get one of two extremes when it comes to these unclean spirits, you know. Sometimes we're, it's only in here we talk about that, don't we, you know? Well, you tell me, if you went to a dinner today, or wherever you're doing, and you're like, What do you think about demons? (laughs) Is there one around? See any? Angels, what about that? You know, I mean, we just don't talk about, it. it it is kind of an in-house thing. And I think it's fine if you want to do that. But we either ignore evil spirits, that's out there today, that this was all, that's one way to look at it, that this was all just, well, that's the way they looked at it back then because they were so, you know, primitive back then because we don't do things like that. Nobody goes to, like, you know, tarot card readers and, Calls one eight hundred Miss Cleo and all the nobody does that here. We don't look for things like that, right? There's no evil now. You know, I was just those people just didn't know, so we explain them away, or we we get uh, an unhealthy preoccupation with them. It's like you know when the mic cuts out. It's a demon of mics. Yeah, that happens. One of the graduations we had here, all the balloons fall, f- flew away because it was the demon of balloons, I think. But they all went up, so I don't know. Maybe it was. But but you think about. So I'm going to give you an anal- Is It when you look at somebody like this, you, this guy's got some problems. Uh, we, we'll have later. We'll have other times. And in the Gospels, it talks about where they're they're flailing on the floor. And you look at this, and and people would say, "Now, well, that's like a psychological Ill- or a physiological illness." And. and so what do we do with that? And, and this is just an analogy. It's uh, kind of like the old C.S. Lewis thing. I'm going to give you my analogy. If it helps, remember, if it doesn't, forget it. Uh, so I'm telling you, forget part of the sermon if it doesn't help. But, well, we'll use the graduates. Uh, you, you, you've got, you, we, we've got one of our graduates, you know, is going to USD, one's going to UNO, uh, one's going to Northwestern, we've got one going to the Navy. Well, there's a reason that they or going there, right? Um, now, this is just hypothetical, but let's say that God's Spirit helped them decide this. So God has kind of guided them to go, you know, thou shalt go to Northwestern. Let's they say, they say that happened. Okay, so when we say, what is the cause of that? Now, th- it may be only known to, to, to you. You know, you might not be telling everybody. So we would say, well, we would say, well, I want to go there because I want to wrestle. I want to play football, which I think is really cool. I did that at Simpson, not the wrestle. I would have got killed. But, um, <laughs> I did the football thing, and my knees still tell me that, but, but it, it was fun. But, but, but we would say, what's the cause? Well, that's what your gifts and talents are. You're going to study things you want to, and that's the cause of it too, right? And that is a cause. That is a reason. But it could also be that the Holy Spirit's kind of guiding you, too. Can it be both? Can it not be both? Can they not coexist? That there is a spiritual reason, maybe, that you're doing it, and maybe also uh, some other practical reasons you're doing it, and hopefully those two line up. Uh, So, uh, same with this. Now, that's a positive example. We would use the Holy Spirit as guiding us there. The Holy Spirit never possesses us. That's a demon thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to control you. He wants to help you. Be more like God, you know. That's what he's there for. You want to use an, a, a a bad example? I mean, I, I haven't. Don't remember. I think there was one this week. Another shooting. Um, unfortunately, with all the media we have, as somebody you know sneezes, we find out it happened in Istanbul five seconds after it did. But there, you know, there's been these shoot. People go in and shoot people in schools and places of business. Well, let's go back on that. Um, what if an evil spirit enticed this person to do that? But when we're putting it on the news, we might just say, well, this guy, you know, has had some psychological problems. He's, he has some addictions. Um, he doesn't have a high self-esteem. And that may all be true. But it also might be some spiritual problems, too. And I think we can go with both. What we're seeing here in the Bible is these overt times because when you look at demon activity, it just is all centered around Jesus coming to preach and teach and get the gospel out. It's so ramped up. You see a little bit of it in Acts, and and most of the teaching letters, there's not much in there. Not because it's not real, but because this is showing us what the problem is. It happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but we just have to have a healthy view of it. Uh, w- what is going on? And, and I think that's true. If you if you suffer from anxiety, you could sit here and say it's a demon of anxiety. Well, now now you you've diagnosed it. What do you do now? Do we have a pill for anxiety demons? But there are people I know with depression and stuff. They take certain medication. It helps them. Couldn't it be both? I mean, we're not a demon of anxiety. But you know, there could be spiritual things there, but it could be physiological too. Um, Let's have a healthy view. And I think Jesus did. Uh do that. So I hope that helps. If that doesn't, you know, forget all that. <laughs> but I do I think we, we we don't want to throw Jesus under the bus and say, Well, you didn't know what you were talking about. You know, you thought it was a demon. It was really just, you know, psychological problem. I think it's probably a little both. There's a there's a spiritual and a and there's something going on with this spiritual, but we don't want to go too far and say, Well, no, just pray out pray a lot, don't go to the doctor. That's not we're not even told that in the Bible. Uh, I don't want to bring the S word up, but it's not very smart. It's the other one. So we see him healing a lot. Um, so we're going to go on in 29 and get one of those healings. He immediately, and if you remember, immediately is a big Mark word. We got, we've had it seven times already. We're not even out of the first chapter. He left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So he's in Peter and and Andrew's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick and various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And again, why? Well, we you got that at the beginning of the sermon. The people don't know he's, who he is yet. They don't understand what type of Messiah he is. They probably certainly don't understand that he's God. Just demons, shut up! I'm t- I got this. We have a problem if we go too far. So, so Jesus' healing was done for the same reasons as his. Removal of evil spirits, authority, shows this authority over them, his identity, who am I, and compassion. You know, I'm sure Peter's mother-in-law was happy about this. In Matthew 11, we get this more overtly when John the Baptist is asking Jesus, you know, essentially, are you the one? Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus gives that answer to, am I? who am I? Well, what's he, where's he getting this stuff? We get this all over the place, but here's Isaiah 29. In that day, the day of the Messiah, the deaf will hear words read from a book, and the blind will see through the gloom and the darkness. The humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. The poor will receive. rejoice in the... Holy one of Israel, demon must have been reading Isaiah 29. But this is an identity thing for him. It shows who he is. This is what he used as his main reason to to give people information about who he is. He goes back to Isaiah and says, This is what the Messiah is going to look like. That's me. And then Peter's mother in law, is this just like, you know, it's like 98.7? Well, mine says, does it say, he came and took her head and I told her about her? did she have a high fever? It just says fever. In Luke, it says a high fever. I don't know wh- what a high fever is, but, I'm, you know, I'm sure. I heard it that the, that the normal fever thing or the normal temperature is actually lower now. Maybe I shouldn't have read that. Okay, I got a doctor going like that. Well, c- scratch that. <laughs> But a high fever, I think you probably wouldn't have to have a thermometer to know. It, it seems in Luke's version, this is this is life-threatening. Um, th- you know, we get that. What we I've heard this talk about. Well, Jesus was hungry, and so were we. And you know, well, the one who always cooks is feeling a little down, so he heals her and it's like, "Can we have some sandwiches, please?" <laughs> I, I don't, th- you know, I don't think that's what this is trying to tell us. There's something really big here, and it doesn't seem like. And you notice, he heals the fever, and I suppose there could be the fever demon, but it doesn't, that's not talked about, is it? Um, I mean, I I know you're chuckling, I am too, but it's out there, folks. I mean, not show of hands, because I hope the sermon's not causing this, but does anybody have a headache yet? There are people who think there's headache demons. I don't see the headache demons, but I mean, that's certainly possible, but I wouldn't go there. Um, But many with diseases were healed and many with demons were cast out. Don't miss this. They separate the two. I'm not saying they don't sometimes have a correlation, but it, it does tell us that they're recorded separately, shows that sickness and evil spirits are most often not connected. You know, sometimes they are uh they're not the same thing so i guess my point is just because you're sick you don't have to look for some sort of spiritual reason that that is it might be because you got coughed on by somebody who had a virus it doesn't take a demon to get a cold and really it doesn't take the holy spirit to be healed from one uh right but you can pray about it that's fine and notice here, the, f- the faith of the people is not mentioned. You'll see that. I did this many moons ago, probably 15 years ago. I thought, I'm going to go through the Gospels, and every time I see a healing, I'm going to write down what the response and the responsibility of the person was. And I came to the conclusion, and I got, you know, I was an actuary, I got all these things figured out, and I got the numbers and everything, I came to figure out there's really no good pattern here. I mean, sometimes they're really faithful. Your faith has healed you. Other times, they don't even know who he is. Sometimes he does it from a distance. Sometimes he touches people. Sometimes he doesn't touch people. Sometimes he says something. Sometimes he doesn't say anything. So you see, I've completely figured out that I don't know exactly how this works. Just that Jesus does it. And it was powerful. And immediately word comes in, it always oh, seems to be just boom. You want a Jesus miracle today? it happens like that. It's not, well, you feel a little better. That doesn't mean God might not be involved in that. I, I think we've had situations like that where by providence, God helps people live longer. It might be the providence of finding the right medicine. It could be some other things going on there. We don't, I don't think God only works if there's a miracle. God works in many, many ways. That we. But, but sometimes in this case, the faith is not mentioned to these people. They just come and He heals them. Um, there didn't seem to be any other. Now, we're going to skip 35 or come back and finish up with 35 through thir- 39 and go to verse 40. A leper, which is not a large cat. Okay, you got that? Uh, it's not leopard. Um, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. There it is. It didn't, he didn't have to go do anything else. And he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priests and offer for the cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. So a leper is healed. Now you see faith. If you will, you can heal me. And Jesus says, I will, and he does. But Jesus did something that is really, really not a good idea. Probably, you know, just physically and ceremonially. You don't touch lepers, especially if you're a rabbi. Why? Yeah, it's infectious for one. It's just practical. But it's got this, it's unclean. Now, again, clean does not mean, unclean does not always mean sinful in the Bible. In fact, a lot of times in the Old Covenant it doesn't. It just means you're ceremonially unclean. You're separated from the community. A lot of it was this. They were quarantined. If, I don't know if you've seen this movie. Some of you may have not have. You, you remember the Ten Commandments with Cecil B. DeMille? That was with Charles. There was one called Ben-Hur. And I, they've redone it. Has anybody seen the redo? The first one was really good. it was got this the chariot thing, dude. That is really cool, which is not really my point here, but it is really cool. Um, but in that, his Ben-Hur... Uh, who is played by Charlton Heston. It's first century Jesus time. Jesus kind of makes cameo appearances, but just kind of in the background. Um, there's here's His mom and I think his sister get leprosy, and they show a little bit about what that was like. You were supposed to, when you walked anywhere, you said unclean. You were ostracized from society, and a lot of people believed that because of your sin, this happened. And Jesus comes up to one of these guys and touches him. I've always said, if you really want to get your idea of the, of the Bible, you know, and I have to close my eyes—it's just my own problem—if uh, I'm going to imagine this, I, I think what that my, trying to think of the expression on that guy's face when he looks in this. One, he thinks has the power to heal him. Not only wants to heal him, but actually touches him. When's the last time he's been touched? You know, what's the last time? And he he does this. It's, it's re- I will. I mean, that had to be. I I can't even come up with the expression, but I'm I'm working on it. And what did Jesus tell him to do? He tells him to do what, from offer to the priest what what is required for the cleansing, what what Moses commands. This comes from Leviticus 14. What's, what's this for? There's a couple reasons. I don't know if you knew that, but the, the, the priests and some of the Levites were kind of the doctors of the day. They, there, wasn't a com, there wasn't really medical doctors that way. The ones that, and they were supposed to come and inspect. Well, why would you inspect somebody? Yeah, you want to make sure you're not infectious anymore. It's practical on one hand. Um, and so he said, go do that. Go do, what's he trying to do? Authenticate it. Now that's missing from a lot of supposed healings today. You know, you get this sometimes, well, I healed, you know, and I'm not saying it can't happen, that's not the point. But it should be authenticated, right? I mean, when we find out people, you know, or and it should be immediate if it's really from God, you know, and again, if it's a Jesus-type healing. Um, but that's all he asked you to do is just authenticate this. You should be able to authenticate. There was one, I read a book, one of the, I won't give the name, although I will in a Bible study, of, the, of one of these guys who thinks they heal all the time. Say, oh, thousands of people, I'm a healer, which I always wanted to say, well, could you come to the hospital with us? Go to, let's go to the, you know, let's go to the ICU. Let's, let's really, I mean, let's go to a nursing home. You've got healing power. Why do I have to come to you, go on a stage, get the cameras going, you have to hit me in the head? I don't get that. I do not yet find head in the Gospels, but maybe I'm missing the, the nuance. Um, but again, and this guy, so they said, give us your best three. And he did, to authenticate. And we found out, one, We have no, there was no information the person was ever sick. The other one, there was no information that the person got well. (laughs) And the other one died. And that was the three best. If God heals, we should give God the glory. But let's not go around like we're, you know, fish oil salesmen and trying, it it just, that's not what this is about. Um, It should be authenticated and we should see it. So, so why verse 44? You know, why is he saying don't tell anybody? Well, his compa- he he wants the mind the the man's life restored, but he doesn't appear to want healing to define his ministry. This is what in Mark people call the messianic secret. It's the idea that he he it's again, you don't know enough about me to be proclaiming it. You're going to get it wrong. He wants to establish his authority and identity in his timing. And the guy did kind of blow his cover a little bit, and it showed what happened, you know? Nothing against the guy, that would be hard. You're healed, don't say anything. That would be tough, you know? I thought you were a leper. Well, yeah, yeah, not so much anymore. Yeah. How'd that happen? Well, you know, no big deal. You know, th- that's kind of hard, isn't it, you know? So I can see the problem, but you you see that he didn't obey. So let's finish up here with these last few verses back up to 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon, who's Peter, and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And you wonder, why are they looking for him? And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So why did he come? He came to teach. He came to show who he was. He came to get the gospel out, to help people understand their guilt before God, repent and believe, to offer his grace and to invite them to trust him. That's what he came for. That's his main reason to come. The healings and the driving out was just a symptom of a good thing. It was the consequences of that. It was not the main reason he came. So back then, healing and driving out demons was associated with teachers. This is what they did. Whether they were really doing, it's another question, but maybe they were some. And the miracles, though they're important and they're really fun to read about, and I'm not saying they still don't happen today, they're signs. And we saw it already from Isaiah and, and Matthew of his identity, his authority, and they become a great distraction to people as they do today. And I always thought, what if somebody got healed in one of our services even we didn't ask for it? Why would people come back the next week? And what if we didn't have one? They'd probably give one more week, right? So Jesus' miracles, and then the few done by the apostles, which are few, they're signs and pointers to Jesus' identity his authority, and what he promises everyone that follows and trusts him. Sin's gone, reconciled to the Father, eternal life, real Holy Spirit, access and influence. That, that's what he's trying to get us. So biblically, miracles are never promised as a frequent and ongoing consequence of trusting in Jesus. I mean, he sums it up in this upper-rim discourse. In this world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And you see this throughout Corinthians and Philippians, Paul and the the apostles, 2 Timothy, 1 Peter. For even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. The idea of suffering and being persecuted is very clear in the Bible. And sometimes it takes more faith to be sick than it does to be well. And sometimes God has a morally sufficient reason for keeping you there. Now the demon thing, he always wants to get rid of that. And that's what repentance and following him will always do. So you can look up those verses on your own, but his presence, his protection, and his provision are his promises. That's what you should seek. And I know it's hard sometimes when you want something, God to do something for you physically, emotionally. It's the idea that if his presence is there, if his protection from evil is there, if his provision for you spiritually and sometimes physically is that that's what he promises. Let's grab onto his real promises, not ones you want him to promise you. These are consequences of trusting him. So think about those things. Let's grab onto what he really promises and follow those because it appears that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit thinks that's sufficient. That is what you really need. So, notice also that Jesus spends time with the Father in prayer, which is a good thing to do. Uh, we'll do right now. Let us pray. Father, we look into these texts and get to know Jesus better, and what power. Uh, spiritual forces just kind of get their tail between their legs and head off. Uh, such a, a, a wondrous thing to follow uh, your Son, who is God, just like you and the Spirit of uh, full of authority and compassion. May we go through these texts, and this week, may we try to get to know you better. Always, always, thank you for revealing yourself in such a clear way. Amen.